Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, your favorite podcast talking all things career, money, and where we learn from people that have done amazing things. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside Silicon Valley veteran and interview consultant, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? Serge, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I like the interview consultant. You surprise me every every day, Lee. You just surprise me. I use fancy words to class you up, but yeah. I love it. It's it's fitting though. It's fitting for you, buddy. So for those of you that are new to our show, our show has four major pillars: career advancement, money management, avoiding the big mistakes in your career and your finances, and learning from people that have done amazing things. For today's topic, we have a blended discussion. We're gonna be talking about money management and avoiding the mistakes. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of inclusive and transparent communication between families when it comes to financial planning. The discussion of financial planning between family members has long been considered a taboo topic that we just don't want to touch. Awkward conversations, right? So as you and I have talked about like some things with family. It's no bueno. Hey, you're getting kind of old. You're about to, you you (laughs) might, you might keel over tomorrow. Let's, let's do something about it. I mean, I'm trying to think of this approach, right? Like how to set up this family discussion. But I mean, what's your thoughts on this? It's tough. Like you said, we, you know, we both have come from kind of big families and everyone's passionate and has their opinion. So like when you want to sit somebody down, it's not easy. And even myself being married with kids, having conversations about finances is tough in general. It is. And what we see, you know, being in the financial field, all too often we see women and wives just left in the dark regard to finances. I mean, sometimes it can be on the other side of the fence, but that's really common. And generation to generation communication is almost non-existent. We just don't talk about it. And while the attitude is, well, we'll just wait and see what happens, seems like a good solution. It a lot of times can be a catastrophic decision that leads to a litany of devastating financial consequences and family problems. So according to Barron's article by Nick Fortuna, Married women want to take a bigger part in household financial planning. And that's about 49% of women still feel this way. So Serge, why do you think there's such an issue with incorporating your significant other, your wife into the planning process? What is so hard about that? For us as males, I mean, what's wrong with us? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm an outlier. My wife has handled our finances for as long as we've been together. Almost 10 years of being married, like, And it's, you know, she has a background in banking. So like some of it was that, but also she's just better at it. So I think from an organizational standpoint, one person does need to step up, but I guess to answer your question, I think there's still that stigma and uh, stereotype that the male has to like provide and handle things. And like, for me, I'm like, whoever's better at it is going to do it. And I think that's where the, the gaps are. 
But for us, it's worked really well. She steps up in that area and like I pitch in where I can, but I do think you have to have that conversation. Like who is better at managing the finances and be comfortable giving that up if you're not as good. Yeah. And then the other thing that we need to talk about today on this podcast is the generation to generation conversation, having that conversation with your parents, your grandparents about what the plan is. I mean, I think that's even a more difficult conversation. Have you even tried to attempt something like that? I mean, you know, my parents did. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that conversation uh, would be an interesting one. I mean, it's coming up though. My, my parents are getting up in age. You know, my dad's in his 70s. And, you know, what's life expectancy for black males? Like, I don't know. The great thing about today's topic is we have Vanessa Martinez. She is a Barron's top advisor for 2020. And she is Forbes Best in State Advisor for 2020. She is top-notch, and she is one of the co-authors of the book, Family Value at Risk. And she is the expert on this. She is going to be a great resource for us. And she's going to even say, like, Lee, I think she's going to say, Lee, I love where you're going and how you start this open conversation. Everyone should do that. Crossing my fingers for that. Or she might give us the secrets of how we start this very important conversation. So I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to go to a quick break. But when we're back, we'll be sitting down with Vanessa Martinez. Make sure you like our show. If you have questions for us, financial related, career related, business related, or a question for Vanessa about planning, make sure you send it to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we're back, we'll be sitting down with Vanessa Martinez. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Vanessa Martinez. Vanessa, how are you doing this morning? Good. Enjoying the nice weather we're having in Chicago today. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about what you do. You have a fantastic book. I'm going to tell you, I read the thing. I love it. But why don't you tell everyone what you do professionally and tell us about the book. I think it's, it's rare. It's so necessary. But yeah, why don't you go for it? Typically, when you talk to a wealth advisor, they say, manage money. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I like to rephrase it into helping families. Step one, understand that wealth is not just about money. That's a key piece that everyone needs to understand. And also, if you don't have the full picture, and that ties into your family legacy, your estate plan, your financial plan, if you don't have all of those things in tune, then there's not too much you can do just with dollars, right? Of course, you can throw them into the stock market and we will help those grow. But it's more about the transition to the next generation that is our main focus. We believe that there's a need. There's always been a need, but even more so now with the pandemic we just went through to have that financial literacy. And they tell you all the time, right? If you go to work out only once a month, are you really going to get fit? You're really not. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with your family wealth transitioning. You can't just go meet with your financial once a year and believe that your whole financial picture is set going forward. So I think my role, honestly, is educating families 
that's what I do for a living. I help them understand what their picture looks like today, help them understand and make sure that their goals tie into what they currently have with their financial assets, but more importantly, help them transition that to the next generations and make sure, you know, statistics show after the third generation, wealth is lost. Mm-hmm. So kind of to change. That's that saying, right? Wow. Sandals to sandals and three generations. Definitely. Yeah. So that's the sad part. <laughs> yeah, it is. So let's talk about the mindset that's out there, the things that people do wrong. I think for a lot of people, when they think about, you know, estate planning. I think you think, well, I'm going to live till I'm 100 and then I will make my plan and everything will be fine. Now, obviously that's not what happens and life throws us curveballs, and, you know, people die unexpectedly. And sometimes what you plan, the perfect plan, it doesn't happen. Most of the time it doesn't. So what are some of the, just so the listeners understand some of the pitfalls, some of the devastating things that can happen from not planning and not having a conversation with your family? What things have you seen? I'll pinpoint two. One of those is not including your spouse in the conversation because, I mean, you guys said it in your intro, specifically Sergio, the lifespan of an African-American. How long is that? But not just African-American, just all men in general. It's a statistic. You guys die before we do. Why? Why? There's there's stronger species, of course. This is true. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That is the correct answer. But because this happens, is it okay that only the male understands what the financial picture is? Not only that, but the decisions that are made in the estate. Why does one person get to decide what is happening to the family wealth? If we talk about a family estate, how is it that one person is guiding the whole estate? It shouldn't be like that. So that's one of the biggest pitfalls. And that's one of the main reasons why we wrote the book. It's on both sides of the table. We like to see more women that we're helping and advising. And I would love to see more women in the financial field, because honestly, the way we help give direction to families, it's just needed. I'm not saying that you guys don't do a good job. It's just not as good as we can do it. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I believe you. I agree 100%. Yeah. We have a lot of friends who it's like one person in a relationship, a lot of times female or woman would, they don't even know what's going on with the finances. They're just in the dark or like they'll have separate, separate accounts. And I'm like, how that's just not going to end well from a marriage standpoint. And I'm sure you see, you're seeing this now, like bigger picture, right? So I think there's two sides to what you're saying. I believe in personally, right? I have my own account. My husband has his own account, but then we have everything else that's family. Well, I mainly do it because I like to do surprises and it's impossible to have a surprise if we have a joint account or he buys me flowers. I already know I'm getting them, right? That's not fun. (laughs) So we like to keep separate accounts for that reason, but that's just kind of like our fun money. But then we have joint everything else. So we all have the full picture. So that's that side. Now, on the other side, there's a piece that I believe too many people out there think, oh, my wife handles the finances. Does she? Does she really? (laughs) Paying the bills is not managing your finances. Mm -hmm. Making sure the mortgage gets done. That's a bill. 
What is she managing? She's managing the financial administration of budgeting. That is different than the wealth picture for the family. Did she sit with you and decide what goals? Did she say, yes, we're paying for our kids' college or no, we're going to make sure that they we pay for a portion, but then they take out loans for the rest? Did she decide if she wants to be risky, balanced, or conservative in her investments? That is the piece that I want more women to get involved in, not paying the bills. The investment portion and the estate portion of the whole family wealth. That's important. That's a really good clarification. That helps me a lot because I think I am more involved on that side. So that's a really good clarification for me. It's not just you. Yeah. Not just you, Sergio. Believe me, it's many people. When I ask them that question, that's their first answer. She Mm -hmm. does that. I have her. Of course she's involved. Yeah. In the tedious process of paying the bills. How about the exciting side of investments? I mean, it's personally exciting to me. And I believe that many other women would get excited if they learned about it. But we're so eager to kind of brush off the women in this decision-making process that we're like, oh, they don't want to come to the meeting. I hear this from some clients, right? Oh, they don't want to come. She doesn't, she doesn't understand, right? I bet you at some point you didn't understand. Right? It's like going through school. We go through levels in first grade. I can't tell my kid, oh, you don't know multiplication already? That's easy. Of course, it's easy because I went through it already. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to kind of have equal playing grounds before we dismiss our spouses and saying they just don't get it. For the record, Kimberly is involved in our investments. <laughs> <laughs> so Vanessa, how do we bring the other significant other into the fold and actually have a constructive conversation about planning? What if we haven't done that? We've never had the conversation. One spouse is you know, like we'll say it's generally probably the male. It's like, all right, this is my plan. I got my will set up. I got my beneficiaries all on paper. What's there to do? What's the worst thing that can happen? We don't need to talk about this. You know, I call the shots because I'm a man. I have hair (laughs) in my chest. So what's, what do you, what do you do? Like, how do we fix that? Well, again, two things. One, if that is your spouse, we need to have other types of conversation. But on a serious note, I think we tie it to other aspects. So I would start by saying, okay, hun, let's sit down. How many vacations do we want to have a year? Do we want to buy a car? Are we leasing? Are we going to do that every five years? Do we need a new car? Do we want to, as I mentioned before, do we want to pay the kids college? Are we going to pay a portion of their wedding? So those types of questions are what attract women to the investment world. Why? Mm. Because we love our children. Our children are our lives, right? (laughs) That's Mm. so important to us that that is the attractive portion. So we're having a conversation that makes sense. And then we lean into, okay, now let's talk a little bit about how do we get there? And how do we get there? Through passive income. So let's talk about investments, right? So I think it's just the way we start the conversation. So you're completely right, Lee. I think if you start the conversation, hey, babe, you want to sit down and talk about investments? I've seen the stock market today. Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't see the stock market. I, I don't have all five apps on my phone like you do, right? Mm-hmm. So don't start it that way. <laughs> That's good. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. It's just making it enticing 
to the other person. I mean, us women do the same thing to you men with many other aspects in life. We just need to talk about things that attract you to the conversation. Of course. So I think men need to do the same, but I'm all about equal. So I'm not just putting this off on men, brushing women off. It also should be the woman that steps up, right? I don't need to have a man tell me, hey, babe, do you want to be a part of this conversation? I should tell him, hey, I'd like to learn about that. I clearly don't understand it, but I want to learn. Or actually, I do know, but we've never talked about it. So it's my turn. I think we should do more of this. So I want both sides to kind of level up there. I have a question. So I have a little girl, right? I have a five-year-old. So I'm curious, like, do you think this is more of a societal thing? Do you think this is parenting? Like for parents, are these conversations we should start bringing our young daughters into so that once they get into those relationships, they're just, they don't need to be brought in. They're like, I'm in this. Where's the gap? Is that the gap? Definitely. It is. And we had talked about this before with Lee in a previous conversation. It's also cultural, right? Every culture has a different way in, in what they implement to their children. Right. And, and, the stereotypes are partially true. I don't believe in all of them, right? But being <laughs> Hispanic, I do believe in what I, how I was raised. So I understand, like, Hispanic people don't like risk. It's just, just how it is. Why? Because that's the way it was historically made. You didn't come up with much, so now you have to make it. So if you're going to make it, don't lose it. No, that's too risky. Don't do it, right? So it's those types of things, but there has to be a point where we break barriers, so our generation, since we're so young, <laughs> it's time for us to break those types of barriers. Of course, continue your culture portion, right? But it's time to break those barriers that tie into finance. I have my little one. She's nine. She, has, she does have the app on her iPad, her wonderful YouTube app, but she has MSN money on her iPad. Wow. And what does she do? She gets money. For, you know what I mean? You get $20 here, $50 there for birthdays and stuff. She puts it in a piggy bank still. But then what did I do? I took the piggy bank from her. We found out how much was in there. And I told her, I'm taking this money. I'm putting it into the stock market. And guess what you get to do? You get to pick a couple stocks. Fully explain to her. Obviously, I'm in this field. So we talk about it quite often. Yeah. But you just have to make it easy, right? You're driving in the car. You pass by a a jewel, you pass by Michael's stores for crafts. Kids understand those things, right? Mm -hmm. So she picked two stocks. They did phenomenal. One of them got acquired. (laughs) 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 And then it's only one share, right? Because I'm I'm not trying to make her a multi-million dollar person with a piggy bank, right? But it's her understanding. And now what does she do? Like once a month, she'll be like, hey, mom, how my stock's doing? I looked at (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I got to get my, my eight-year-old son uh, Roblox because they just went public. Yes. I was thinking about buying him like one share. He plays the game, but how much cooler would it be to be invested in the company? Yes. Right? Yes. I love that. I agree 100%. You have to do that because it makes sense to them. This is what we're talking about, right? What attracts the person? It's the mm-hmm. same with the kids. You're not, I'm not going to sit there and, and tell Isabella, you know, talk to her about the Fed fund that they, or the Fed that they decided to not move the 
the interest rates and that they're keeping everything flat regardless of inflation, she'd be like, what are you talking about, mom? Mm -hmm. Right. But if I talk to her about roadblocks or YouTube or Michael's craft store, all of these things are what attract the kids. We just have to do our part. That's a great way to go about it. Like, I love, I love that approach. You're right. Oh, hey, babe, saw the stock market go up. Want to talk about it? It's probably not the best approach. Like, you got to no. find what makes your, your spouse, your child tick and get them involved in the fold. I love that. That's great advice. Going on to that conversation piece, though, I love that you are teaching your daughter at such a young age. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, you, you don't hear about that, but that's definitely something that we all need to work on is getting our kids involved and learning about finances at an early age. Going a step further, you know, this is kind of like a heavy topic because we're talking about, you know, family values, generation to generation. When do you have that conversation, the tougher conversation, like, hon, this is what I want. This is what mommy wants. This is what daddy wants, you know, for your future or our future. When does that conversation happen? Obviously, your, your daughter's very young, but is there going to be a point where you're like, you know, if something happens to mommy, this is what mommy would want. Like that. And that's the tough conversation, but have you, do you have any advice for us on that? I mean, it's already hard enough to have, you know, inclusive planning with your spouse. That's, but I think it's 10 times harder in my personal opinion to have those generation to generation conversations. And I honestly don't really know too many people in my own personal life that are having those. So what is your advice on that? Now that one is more difficult. So I agree with you. But on that one, I would say it is dependent on each family. Hmm. It's dependent on the family dynamic because I could go on here and say, just like I did, right? My daughter's nine years old and I already talked to her about finance. Now, someone else can't go right in and be like, give me your piggy bank. I'm going to put it in the market. They're going to be like, what? What are you talking about, mom? Don't be a weirdo. Stop. Because you didn't start anywhere. So my advice would be start now at the young age, making them understand what finance is, understand how to build a budget. And I've talked about this before on on another show where we talked on traditions. What are your family traditions? Baking cookies, I don't know, making a special food that's from your culture. Those are family traditions. Where are the financial family traditions? Are they anywhere? Right? Mm -hmm. Do you sit down once a year and say, woo, budget time. Everybody sit together at the table. (laughs) Nobody does it. But because everyone's like, oh, that's so boring. Who wants to talk about that? Uh, So then make it fun again, making it attractive for, right? It's just like YouTube. You know who who your listeners are. So you are going to talk about things that your listeners want to hear, want to learn. It's the same with the family. You have to sit with them and make that transition. So every family will be different. And I think every topic will progress year over year. So you have to start with something, right? You can't go full blown. And I don't know how I personally feel about it. So I have my estate plan completed. I bring her close to who would be the guardian if my husband and I should pass my daughter. It's my sister. So she would know who she goes to, but it's because it's just family. Right. But I don't openly talk about it when daddy and I pass away or if daddy and I were to pass away and you're still a minor child, blah, blah, blah. I don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once college comes around, if the finance topic is out there, why not go further in? Right. 
Your kids should know when they're in high school, what's happening in college, right? Because they're picking, am I going to Harvard? Am I going to community college? Am I going somewhere in the middle? Where am I going? Where am I going? Right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, grades have something to do with it, right? So the level of where they're at, but also dollars. So why can't we talk about dollars if they're going to come up when they fill out their application? That's one sense. Then there's grownups, right? All three of us on this are grownups. That is a different type of conversation to have. Are our parents having these conversations with us? Either of you, Lee, Sergio? No, I mean, that, that's where I was going to put, I'm glad you're taking it here because that's where I was going to push you a little bit because my parents, you know, once they're up 60, 70, if they are, haven't had these conversations, they're stubborn. They're not going to, they, they don't want to hear from me about finances. So I'm like, how do we even start that conversation? Even if it's like bring you in or like make you feel included, that's not going to work to just be honest. Like it's not going to work with my parents. I need some more practical tips to like figure this stuff out. Like, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, Lee. And that's, you know, for me, you know, this is what I do. And I'm actually great at pushing the conversation with people I work with, but my own family, oh my God, like I can't, I just can't. With my own clients, it's like, I try to get into like, what do they want? What are their wishes? I'll go that deep. With me, it's like, hey, you, you seen your state plan attorney lately? Okay, cool. We good. I can't go any further, but because it, it's, it's like, gosh, like it just being in my shoes, like as a professional, it's easy. But when it's like your family, it's such a tough conversation. So I will say I've been able to say, Hey, you, did you get that done? But the thing that's sad for me is like, I don't have, I know it's important, but I have not had the conversation about what do you want? Like when you were gone, like, what do you want? And what am I supposed to do? I didn't. So I internally, I know that's an important conversation, but I still haven't had that conversation. You both need to have that conversation. <laughs> I know. There's two things. So you said it first, which is I do it for my clients. What are you? You are a third party to the family. So I believe that having an outsider help is the way to go for those stubborn families. But I also believe that if we humble ourselves to the true reason we want to understand what's happening with our family's estate is not to know how much money I'm receiving in inheritance, but to make sure they're okay and to make sure that whatever they pass on, it could be in my case where I say, okay, I don't need it. Maybe my sisters need it more than me, right? So maybe I'm willing to share that with my parents and tell them, you know what? Whatever you have going on there, that's not the way. I don't need it. It's okay. Help help them, right? So if you bring it to the conversation, how would your parents feel, Sergio, if instead of you asking them, are they prepared, you tell them, mom, dad, I don't think I'm prepared. And I need help. Kim and I have been sitting and we've been talking about what we want to do. But can you give us some advice? Mm. How, you know, we have this or, or we're ready to, to draft our will. I'm hoping you already have one, Sergio. I'm not going to put you out there. So let's just say you do. But I don't have my trust built. I do not have I a will. Ah, <laughs> we'll meet after this. <laughs> your estate plan isn't set. So you're talking to your parents and you're like, you know what? I don't know how to do this. Help me. Help me. Instead of us trying to be like, Mom and dad, I'm so smart. Let me help you. They're going to be like, you better back it up. 
Mm. Back it up. Stay out of my business, right? Because mm. that's how anybody like that. feels. Stay out of my business. But they love you. So if my daughter came to me and says, Mom, I need help with my homework. What am I going to say? When I used to do math, this is how we used to do it. And I would show her, right? That's all about that common core. That's garbage. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. Just add it. It's four plus four. Okay. <laughs> it's common core crap. I mean, man. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> That's all it's about. So it's the approach. If you're coming asking for help, they're going to help. And guess what that's going to make them do? Then they're going to come back, mom and dad, and they're going to be like, honey, should we send him to our estate attorney? You think we should recommend that he does blah, 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 like we did? So even if they take the side conversation and then come back to you with something, or they might just open up right away. They might just be like, Sergio, oh my goodness, you don't have that set up. Let me tell you where to go. This is where we went. His name's Tom. He's blah, 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 blah. Here, go do it. Because they're helping you. So we have to do it for the right reasons. And then we'll get the right results. This sounds like it's tying back to this idea of inclusivity, right? Like this is kind of the whole message. The more open and communication, it kind of brings everyone together. And then we break that generational gap, right? If we're all doing it more. So yeah, this is, this is good stuff. And that's a good, good guess, Lee. Great job. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) But you know, the thing is like, everyone is uncomfortable about these conversations with the spouse, especially with, you know, generation to generation, but Something that's a hundred times worse is not having this conversation and knowing that you're going to die and feeling like your family isn't going to be taken care of. And so in my career, I've actually had this happen uh, multiple times. And, you know, the only thing that people think about if they're going to make a early departure is like, oh my gosh, is my family going to be okay? And do they know what to do? And so like, I've been, you know, fortunate to have these situations where I'm like, all right, let's get this all out here. Let's make sure you know what you're going to do with your family. What's the directions I can pass to them. But maybe you don't have that, you know, for most people, they just die. They don't get a chance. I'll tell you the people that get the sentence, like you got three weeks to live. You got six weeks to live. Those people that know that they're passing away, all they think about, they don't think about themselves dying that much. They're not scared about their death. They care about their family. I mean, that's what I've seen time and time again. Vanessa, like, have you seen the same thing? Yeah. And the sad part is we don't all get that six month to 12 month opportunity. Right. And we believe, oh, we're so young. I mean, what's going to happen? Anything can happen. Sergio, I'm so upset with you right now that you don't have a will. I'm, I'm terrified right now. I'm literally thinking about, I'm, I'm going to die today. And what are my kids and wife going to do? What is going to happen? If one spouse passes, the children go to the other spouse. But I'm talking about you and Kim going on an airplane on a vacation and leaving the grandparents to watch the kids. Then if both of you pass at the same time, you know who decides who gets your kids? The state? The court, yeah. Court oh, decides who gets your kids. I don't want a court deciding who gets my kids. I'm going to make the decision who makes my who takes my kids. No one else. That's also super tough. Just not kind of off topic. That in itself is a tough decision. Even to agree upon with each other. 
my wife, we still can't, we haven't agreed upon that. We've had this discussion, but we, we have not agreed on who would take the kids if we were both to pass. I've seen quite often, and that is one of the reasons why I call it decision paralysis, where you know you got to make the decision, but you're like paralyzed because you don't, you're like, oh, I don't know yet. I don't, any decision is better than no decision. Got it. So even yeah. if you lean more towards, because you can change this at any time. I feel too many people believe once I draft my will and my trust, yeah, I'm screwed. That's it. I'm done. I wrote it. It's over. No, it's not. <laughs> you can make an amendment on it once a month if you want. Obviously, you have to pay the attorney fees, but <laughs> you can make these amendments. That's the. It's a living document. It's your life on a sheet of paper. So if today you want to leave it to Aunt Mary, but then Aunt Mary seems to not be doing appropriate things, and now you want to leave it to Uncle Tom, right? You just change it. You can change your mind, but at least you have something to change your mind to versus not having anything, right? And there's the sense of protection of our kids, which that's more so the will, building out your trust and your estate plan, yeah. which is you do have all this money. You assume it will go next of kin, which it will, but is it going in the right direction? And not just that, this is another part. Who do you wanna leave your money to? Your family or the government? <laughs> Guess who's getting the most of it if you don't properly plan your estate? Uncle Sam. You see? So not your Uncle Tom anymore. Now it's Uncle Sam. <laughs> you picked the wrong uncle. <laughs> that is very important as well. Just draft it out. There's very simple ones out there. So you don't have to go the complicated route. And too many people are like, ah, I don't need it. Or when I tell them, build your net worth statement, which I believe is the most important document every individual on this planet should have. Mm -hmm. And you can tell me, I don't have money. I only have debt. That goes on your net worth statement. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> Write it down. Because then you forget. You forget what you have. You forget what you owe. You for I mean, the bill collectors won't let you forget that. But you will forget what's out there. Yeah. And... What is the problem is probate. So you will pass and it will go through this whole court system instead of you had that one document. Nobody sees it. Nobody touches it. How many famous people have we seen die just last year? And I know everything they own. I know everything about them because it's public information. Mm -hmm. What yeah. they did, what they didn't do. Some things are embarrassing, right? You don't want that out there. <laughs> Draft that trust and that will protecting our family i don't know we talk about oh i want to protect them i love them doesn't look like it yeah Lee, we had uh or vanessa we had nina decker lee remember when i think the way i was always thinking about estate planning you do it when you're old or you do it when you have a ton of net worth mm. but she's like you're never too young to start thinking about that right. i don't know and just having the conversation uh, one thing i read in the book that i really liked was you guys had multiple situations of the disasters that happen with lack of communication. One thing that really stood out to me that people might not think about, they're thinking like, well, I got my loan trust. Why do I need to have a conversation? There was one case study you guys mentioned. I think it was from one of your actual clients where there was multiple siblings. One, in, they all inherited stock from the father that passed away. And one sibling was like, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to diversify it. I think that's the best thing to do. The son, I believe, was like, well, I'm going to hold on to it because I think dad may have wanted me to hold on to this stock because it's a legacy thing. 
And it's, it, it sounds maybe ridiculous to the listener that's like, why would that be a thing? That is so common. I, I can tell you how many times like I deal with people and they're like, well, they got me Disney stocks. I want to hold it forever. All right? I got this stock and I, it's, you know, I got to hold it forever. I mean, having those conversations about like, well, this is what I want to happen, you know, after I'm gone, go very far. I mean, what's your experience been with not having enough conversation, not having enough clarification about the future financial wishes? Do you see that becoming an issue a lot of the time? For sure. Over-concentrated positions comes from exactly that case that we mentioned in the book. The father didn't care about that holding. He was just getting paid through stock. So he was an attorney and he got paid with equity of another firm. So it's not like he fell in love with it, right? It's not like, oh, I worked at FedEx for 50 years, kids, I've owned this stock. It means something to me. So I want each of you to keep a portion. That's the purpose of communication because I'm telling you I want you to do this. But if I pass and you have no idea what I did or why I did it, and now you get this huge lump sum of one concentrated position and you think like that son did, and he was like, no, I'm not selling it. Dad loved it and he wanted it. No, he didn't. But who's going to tell you? He's dead. He's gone. (laughs) Nobody would ever, ever tell you that. But now the stock dropped. So if he left you a million dollars, it's not a million anymore. Yeah, I I remember reading the book. It was a massive loss for not getting out of that stock. It is. And it's, it's something that happens so often just because we didn't open our mouth and share. Yeah, it could have been avoided if the father was just like, this is where I see this worthless stock. You need to get rid of it because it doesn't mean anything to me, son. You know, right. instead, you know, like as the, the kids, we can just have the sense of nostalgia and maybe we make it up in our own mind because, you know, dealing with the loss is like very powerful. And, and that's where it's you need that clarification. That's why like the in-depth conversations about, like, you know, like oh, I said, for my fault. Like I know we have basic estate planning done, but like the thing that kills me is not understanding the wishes, the true wishes about certain assets and that my parents might have is something I could see, you know, down the line. Cause I've dealt with it in my professional life where I see like, well, we, we keep this because you know mom had it or dad had it. It's like paintings, little, little trinkets, families hold on to these things. Grandma, you know, wanted me to have this or mom wanted me to have this, but we don't really know. And this is why it's important on both sides. One, to, to know if they're keeping it for a reason or not. You know, one of the main reasons people keep stocks because they're waiting to die to get step up in basis. Yes. That's it. So I held it this whole time because I bought it at $2. It's worth $50. When I die, I'm giving you $50 stock. But now if you sell it, and it sells at 55, you only have a $5 gain instead of if I would have sold it and then given you cash to invest on your own, you would have had to pay these taxes. So that's an easy enough conversation. No, I'm not in love with this stock. I'm holding it so that when I die, you benefit from the tax. That's smart. But if I never tell you that, <laughs> then that's dumb, right? You see how quickly we go it's really fast. It's a fine line. We're constantly tight roping it. But yes, that's an amazing point. What's tough here is conversations around finances and death are not typically conversations we're growing up, like taboo to talk about your salary or to talk about money. So I know it needs to happen, 
it's two of the hardest conversations to have, right? So is it just practice? Like, is it just, you just have to just push yourself constantly? Death is different to me than finance because I find finance fun. So to me, it's not a hard conversation, but death is definitely a painful conversation. So when I talk about it, I do more kind of like what Lee's saying. What do I want to happen in the future? If we just talk about the future, we know what's going to happen in the future, right? We don't want to think about it, but we know what we're all going to die. I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. that's not a mystery. It's going to happen to all of us. So if we just talk about in the future, this is what I would like to happen and make it fun, right? I think if we make it more dynamic, I mean, it's difficult no matter what death. Now on the finance side, let's just find what the other person that we're going to talk to about it finds interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a piece in finance for everybody out there. Whatever you can think of, somebody will fall in love with it, right? Because the stock market is every single company that's out there. Every single one, right? So just think of something that the person that you're going to sit with really enjoys. Like the kids, we got roadblocks. Your wife, is it vacation? Is Starbucks. It- She bought a share in Starbucks. Yeah, she's doing okay. (laughs) Okay, so this is what's fun. And this is where it's a back and forth. We're like, did you see Starbucks today? Did you see where that was at? Right? Or as you go through the drive-thru, we're contributing to picking up the shares, right? We're doing our part. We're making sure it grows. So it's just making it fun. I find You've given two amazing pieces of advice find what makes it fun and then also bring them into the fold by asking their advice like uh, for the generation part that's i didn't really think about that but like like you said mom and dad i want your advice because this is what we are doing what did you do and maybe that's like they have good advice or maybe it's like you know what sergio lee (laughs) that's actually really good you know i think i haven't done that and like oh well let's do it together you know yes Exactly. Because that's the case. Exactly what he's saying. How about if they haven't done it yet? But they need to do it. Because then guess who's going to pick up all that bag of niceness? That's putting it lightly. When they pass. You. Mm -hmm. So I tell my mom this all the time. (laughs) This has nothing to do with finance, but I tell her this all the time. (laughs) I'm like, mom, you got to work out. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, you got to work out. This is just harder on me in the future. Because I'm the one who has to move you around. I'm the one who's going to have to do this. And you say you love me. Help me love you later. (laughs) Because there's so much to do. If we set them up, that's just going to be easier on us. And the piece that you mentioned was mourning, right? If I'm sad today because someone in my family passed away, the last thing on my mind is money. Last thing on my mind. I could give anything. I'm not thinking about it. And this is why I do what I do. I want to be able to help families that when they call me and let me know that someone has passed away, I tell them, don't worry about anything. You don't have to do a thing. Everything's all set. Such an amazing gift. But we need to do that for ourselves. We need to prepare our families. We really do. Vanessa, your book. I learned a ton from it. I love the fact that you talk about everyone needs a balanced statement. Super important. 
You have a lot of great info in there. Like, where can people find more about the book? And what caused you to write this book? Like, what was it? What was it that pushed you to write this book? Seeing someone in the mourning process, not being able to mourn. Hmm. Her husband passed away. And uh, that's my first story. Uh, I think it's in chapter one. He passed and it was six months. He was given six months. During that six months, I tried to slowly, we received, she became a client after finding out that her husband was passing and her brother was a client and said, my sister really needs someone's help. Can you please help her? And I was like, of course, have her call me. She calls me in the middle of the night crying, telling me she has no idea what to do. Her husband is dying and she just needs help. And I mean, all the way down to helping her with trying to get a nurse to be at home with her, right? That's what's important right now. So I tried to trickle in, like, send me, send me some statements. Um, are you sure this is it or, to retitle? So in those six months, I tried to retitle everything into joint name, right? Because he had so many things just in his name. They were the families, but it was just in his name, right? Or so many people have the trust. They're like, yep, I have it, Vanessa, here it is. And I'm like, well, it do does you no good if none of your assets are titled in trust name? That's another big thing for everyone listening. If you have a trust document, have you retitled your assets into trust name? You buy a house, you put it in the trust name. You buy a business, you put it in the trust name. You have a checking account, put it in your trust name. Anything you have should be in the name of the trust or at least in joint name. So I think that happening and it had happened multiple times, but that one really hit home because we were there throughout those six months and it happened to be less than six months. He didn't last was so heartbreaking and I didn't get to finish. Right. So after he passes and we give it some time and a year goes on, we found other assets that were just in his name that unfortunately the estate still needed to go to probate. Mm -hmm. Right. So that felt like, I had let her down and I was like, Nope, time to write a book. Everyone yeah. needs to do their own homework. And you know what I mean? Cause we can only help so far. You know that Lee, yeah. we try so much to be like, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. But even with both of you with which Sergio, I'm not letting you get away with this. You will have a will before this year is over. I promise you. This is another piece hand holding, right? That is what I do. I'm here to either hold your hand through the process until it's done, because my goal is to help you finish this. That's our job. And it could be our job family-wise, right? If your spouse isn't into it, well, then your job is to help them be into it. So I feel just helping everyone along. But the, the book, the purpose of the book is sharing those stories. They were impactful in, in my life and in my partner's life. That's why we decided to write it. But I feel that it can also impact so many other lives. Listening to these stories and learning from, I don't want that to happen to me. So then make a change. Otherwise, that's the path you're going. Yeah, that's great. Where can people get it? Where can people find this book? Because I, I read it. You were nice enough to <laughs> give me a copy, but oh man, it was worth every moment. And where can, where can people find this? Like, there's a lot of people that want to start this process of figuring out how to get their state plan done, why, how to start the conversations, the reasons to do it. Like, where can we get this book? It's on Amazon where we find 
everything. <laughs> That's true. I should have thought of that. <laughs> that. I mean, that might be an easy way to also start some of these conversations. Like, hey, mom and dad, you know, there's this great book. Check it out. They start hearing these stories. The story you just told me is really inspiring me to like get my shit together. You know what, though? Uh, okay. This is actually a great point. I had that book. It's a beautiful book, by the way. You guys, it looks so pretty. It's got like gold lettering. It's shiny. I, I love it. I'm a big, I'm big on the, the covers of books. I mean, I don't generally read them as much. I love the covers. But uh, I actually was, you know, reading it and I was carrying it around and I actually left it at my parents' house. And I didn't do it on purpose. I just left it there because uh, I went to go see them. And then I walked out and then my mom was like, oh, I saw you left me a book. I was going to read it. I was like, oh, no. I mean, that's for me, actually. And she's like, oh, Okay. But she was actually going to go read the book on her own because I just left it there. And I think the nice part. So what we wanted was action, right? We want people to take action because you could read the book, fall in love with the book because the stories are very emotional. But on every other chapter, so there's three tear off sheets where it'll say, this is how you build your net worth, blah, 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 and tie it to a family. Now, guess what you get to do? So you tear off the sheet and start filling out your own. It gives you the format. So you just write it in. Or the fun part, the last tear off sheet is your legacy statement. So it tells you, ask yourself, what do you feel about this? Ask yourself, what do you feel about that? Now together, create a legacy statement. Like, wouldn't you want a Murphy family legacy statement, a Patterson. Ooh. So just for the listeners, it's called family value at risk. If someone wants to go buy it right now, is that, yeah. am I right? You are right. Must read, must read. So Vanessa, part of our show is, you know, when we do our business and thought leader edition, we like to interview people and understand, you know, their journey. Although this is not one of those episodes. I think you have a fascinating journey. You're from Guatemala, right? You live, you were there. You spent a lot of time there. How did your upbringing impact where you're at today? And how do you think that's impacting what you're doing right now? I feel being in touch with other cultures definitely helps. Sometimes we're stuck in a bubble. Our beliefs come from only what we see in that bubble. So being able to step out of that definitely shaped me. It was the best decision I could have ever made. So I was born and raised in Chicago. And I have, there were three sisters. My youngest sister is very close in age to me. And well, she became a doctor, but she wanted to be a doctor then. And I knew that school was going to be expensive. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna take one for the team. <laughs> I'm going to go to school abroad because it's cheaper. So I went to school in Central America. I went to school in Guatemala and I was out there six years. And then I got my degree, came home while I was out there though. I paid for my own school because I worked full time and went to school on Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. all day Saturday. And I worked Monday through Friday, but it was great because I spoke English. I worked at this sawmill and I got to travel everywhere around the world. I got to go to Germany, I got to go to Canada because I had to represent the company. They needed someone who spoke English to represent them. So it was best experience ever. I'd recommend it to everyone, not just because it's economical, <laughs> <laughs> but because I was out there, I learned to value so much. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and we lived off one income. So my mom was very, um, that old school, let me take care of you. You don't have to do anything, right? So I left at the age of 17 because that's when I graduated high school. And when I was out there, it was like, well, Vanessa, 
you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to wash. And I was like, what? <laughs> but I had to learn how to do that. I was very spoiled. And I, but then you learn to appreciate it, right? So while, until I was 17, I didn't appreciate it because I was like, this is normal. This is my bubble, right? It's all I know. Yes, mom, you should wash all my clothes. Yes, mom, you should make my bed. Sounds the like the typical like Latina mom, stereotypical mom, yeah. Love them. You got to love them. You have dinner, a wonderful meal <laughs> served mm-hmm. every single night. It was phenomenal. But then I went abroad and had to do everything on my own. So it's hard in the beginning, just like everything, just like changes. But then I learned to value going into these communities that have nothing. And when I mean nothing, I mean nothing, right? That made me really love more so like the nonprofit aspect. It's in the book too. I support a community in Guatemala to educate kids, right? And I'm talking about first level education. So it's kids anywhere from the ages of, let's say, four to 10 who have never been to school. 10 years old, zero school. So what are they teaching them? How do you grab a pencil? How do you write your name? That piece of it, we can, each one of us can make a difference. It's just putting that little grain of sand in and we can do it. But I never would have been able to do that if I wouldn't have truly lived there, right? Because we all go to all inclusives. I've been to 50 million of them, right? But what do you experience? Mojitos, pina coladas, the pool, the sand. It's phenomenal. It's great. I love all these countries, right? (laughs) But until you live there... (laughs) There is no pina coladas. It's so sad. <laughs> oh, that is sad. It's <laughs> true. But it was a great experience. I would not change it. Oh, it seems like it's been instrumental in everything you're doing. I can see it in your work. So thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. All right, folks. That's all we got for today. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc., The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.